0: If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I'd like to invite you to turn this morning to John chapter 13. And as I welcome you this morning here at Springfield Road, I also want to welcome our South Wilson campus. Uh, this morning, through the use of technology, they are joining us in this time and in this uh, gathered place. And so, Springfield Road. I need you to say good morning to the South Wilson campus, okay? In just a minute, three, two, one, we're gonna do that, and I want you to say good morning, South Wilson. Ready? Three, two, one. Good morning, South Wilson. All right, South Wilson, it's your turn, and we're gonna hear you loud and clear from all the way over there on the other side of town. So, South Wilson, in three, two, one, I want you to say good morning, Springfield Road. So, three, two, one. Oh, thank you, thank you. Didn't you hear them? church? Did you hear them? We heard them. Yes, we heard them. We're connecting together in an interesting way to bring about a point of connectedness. We are a church, one church in two locations. And today we happen to actually be broadcasting together in this particular time and particular service. And it's kind of fun that we're going to do this together because I actually want to try something that If we were all by ourselves on one campus, this might not work great, but since we're connecting, we're going to do this. I got a quiz for you. I'm a teacher by trade. That is my profession. And teachers, professors love to give pop quizzes. It's sort of one of their favorite things to do. So I got a pop quiz for you today. It's 12 questions. You don't need to study. You don't need to have any preparation. You just need to answer out loud. And when I say out loud, I actually want you to verbalize your answer. Now, these are rapid fire questions. You don't get to think on them. You don't get to ponder, you just answer. First thing that comes to your mind. And I know that can be very dangerous. First thing that comes to your mind, all right? 12 questions and they will come quickly. Are you ready? South Wilson, I want you to answer these out loud as well as here at Springfield Road. We're gonna do this together. All right, question number one. Who was the first person who said to you, I love you? Say it out loud. Y'all are getting the out loud part. Here we go, let's do this together, out loud, nice and strong. Here we go, question two. Who was the first person you said I love you to, to? Number 3, name the person who is constantly showering you with love. Number 3. Name or number 4, name an activity or hobby that you would say I love. Name a song that you absolutely love. So, disagreement there among music selections and music preferences. Here we go. Number, number six, name a movie you absolutely love. Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back. I had to answer that one because I wanted that one to be heard loudly. It's my favorite of all the nine Star Wars movies. Number seven, name an athletic team that you absolutely love. Oh boy, here we go. Now we're getting playing along. Name a place or a city or a place on the map that you absolutely love to go to. Name a pet or an animal that you love. Oh, warm the heart when you start naming pets. Name a person who is easy to love. Okay, Oh, a little disagreement there. Now, this is a tough one. Name a person who can be at times hard to love. Ah... there was some emphasis there on that one. And I watched as the room actually looked side to side to see if that was gonna, gonna be a problem in the afternoon hours. Last question, number 12. And I want you to finish this sentence, finish this question. I feel most loved when... Finish. And see, that one's tough. That one's hard. I mean, it's easy or we're more able to understand something about teams we love and places we love and pets that we love it's easy to describe something that was an event someone said I love you to you and most of you mentioned your mother or who you said I love you to. Back, most of you mentioned your mother oh we have the wonderful love of moms and it's Easy to answer some of these but when you get down to I feel most loved when that can be a little bit more of a challenge. But in speaking about love you get a sense of people's hearts. You get a sense of their experiences, their relationships, their histories, their pasts. Some of the good days and even some of the hard days. You can gather that by questions about love and it's Interesting to us that we use the word love in a variety of ways, in a variety of contexts, but we always know what we mean. When we say we love this sports team, we know it's different than saying, I love my mom. Or when we say we love this city, this place, we know it's different than saying, I love my spouse or my children. When we say we love our pets, we know that... Well, I better be careful there because some of you love your pets as high as love could be. Well, the question for us today, in this series that we're doing on community and on the relationships we have with one another, is how does that word love get exemplified first in our love for God, then in our love for others, but specifically today in our love for one another, in the love that is found within the Christian community? Uh, John chapter 13 is a place in Jesus's life where he has gathered his disciples for a very intimate personal conversation. And the term and the phrase love comes up time and time again. We learned last week about a community that Christ is building, a God-centered, Christ-built community that is wide. It's different people, different backgrounds, different nations, different languages, all coming together that through Jesus, there is one new humanity made, one new family made, breaking down any hostility, breaking down any walls. For the people of the Bible, it was the Jews and the Gentiles, but today it could be nation-states or barriers in race and barriers and age but that Jesus in this community he builds it's a wide community a community of all sorts of peoples from all sorts of places in John 13 he's building a community that focuses on the depth of relationship the depth of love the depth that we are to show in one another care and compassion for the faithful Christian family. John 13 again is the text and I'm gonna begin reading in verse 31. But I wanna let you know that this setting, this time that we read about in John 13 really was an important moment. The very next day, the very next day, Jesus is going to be crucified and hung on the cross that his life is going to end the very next day, roughly three o'clock in the afternoon. This particular passage in this particular setting is happening the night before, so we're, we're well within 24 hours of Jesus' death. The events of his betrayal are already unfolding, and actually we'll open the text this, e- or this morning where Judas has already left the 12, left Jesus to go about and begin the process of betraying Jesus into the hands of the Romans. But as that meal, that Passover meal is being served, and as the conversation of what's coming is being told, Jesus does a series of things. In the opening of John 13, he actually washes all 12 disciples' feet, taking off The garments that he would be wearing and putting on the garments of a servant, he took a bowl and a towel and washed the feet of all 12 of them in a sign of what service and sacrifice that they should have for one another. And as he did it, he said, As I have served you, so you shall serve one another. He's setting into motion a relationship that's deep among Christian brothers and sisters. In our passage, Judas has left, he has gone about, but there's now more instruction, more guidance from Jesus. John 13, verse 31 through 35 says this, And when he, Judas, had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. That you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let me repeat verse 34 and 35, the emphasis for this particular message. A new commandment, Jesus says, I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, by this love, by this loving example, all people, all nations, all tribes, all languages will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Uh, This morning, I just wanna share three points about a new commandment, a new standard, and then close on a new community. You can imagine in the moments and hours before Jesus' death, every single thing he says is important. Everything that he says, not that his words were lesser earlier in his ministry or lesser when the cross was not so close, but you can imagine in the moments leading up to his death, in the last meal, the last meeting, the last time with his disciples before Gethsemane, before the trials, before the crucifixion, you can imagine every single thing he said was important. And in that time and in those moments, he wants to establish a new commandment, a new commandment. Now, this might seem a little last minute on the side of Jesus. Jesus, you've been with us three years. Could you not have mentioned this a little earlier on? Why now, within hours of your death, are you tagging in a new commandment? But it's something that he wants to ensure that goes forward in his kingdom and goes forward in the minds and the hearts of his disciples that in the days ahead crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, that in the minds of those disciples, the 11 that he's gonna speak this to, who will eventually become the 3,000 in Acts, who will become the 5,000 in Acts, who will continue into the missionary journeys across the nations, eventually even coming to us, that the importance of loving one another would be on the hearts and minds of his people. He never wanted love to be secondary Or to be lost on the mind of his people. But primary and essential. And he gives them a new commandment. Now why would they need a new commandment? I mean they have had commandments. All the folks listening to Jesus at this time would know the commandments. Probably the greatest. The most famous, the most prominent commandment was simply to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. And with all your might. Now, Deuteronomy 6 verse 5 is part of what we know as the Shema or the Shema Israel. It's a call of worship. It's a command that is given to the Jewish people from the time they're born until the time they die. Every single Jewish man and Jewish boy and Jewish woman and every part of the Jewish family would be able to say this verse, this command from heart. From memory, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might or strength. They would know it. Uh, Actually, uh, the priests, the teachers, the Levites would simply say something like this. And I'm going to say this in Hebrew, forgive me, my Hebrew is a disaster. But it would sound something like this. Shema Yisrael, Shema Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. And the had is actually particularly difficult for Americans. We don't use that pronunciation, that sound. Would you like to try that with me? No takers on Hebrew this morning? Shema Israel, hear, O Israel. Adonai Eloheinu, the Lord is one. Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall, and then the people, after they heard the call, Shema Israel, they would respond, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. They would say it in unison, in an act of solidarity. They knew the greatest command. So when Jesus is asked in Matthew chapter 26, what is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest law? What is the most important thing? For the people of God to know, Jesus reiterates and says in Matthew chapter 22, excuse me, verse 37. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And he says, a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus sets the greatest commandment in two parts, love of God, love of others, love of God, love of people, love of God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love others as much as you love yourself. These are the great commandments of God. Love him, love others. And even some churches use that as sort of their mark of organization. We want to focus on our love for God and focus on our love for others. It's a good mark. But a new commandment Jesus gives in the moments before his death, the new commandment, something that would be new to them. They knew the others love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. Love others as much as you love yourself. They knew that. But he gives a new commandment. And this new commandment is they are to love one another. The 11 disciples in the room, Judas having gone, the 11 disciples in the room are told, commanded, to love one another. Peter, you are to love Andrew. And Andrew, you are to love James. And John, you are to love Thaddeus. And Philip, you are to love Bartholomew. And Thomas, you are to love Matthew. And Matthew, you are to love them all and to love one another. That his community, his people, would love one another as a command. From him, Because Jesus is not only setting a new commandment in place. He's setting a new standard in place. The standard that he's going to give is simply his love for us. Is then exemplified in our love for one another. A new commandment I give to you in verse 34 he says. That you love one another. And then he says just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. For instance, does Jesus love you? You can say that out loud. Does Jesus love you? Oh man, we taught our kids from the earliest days a little song. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little one to him belong. They I've already said Hebrew, now I'm singing. This is very dangerous. They are weak, but he is strong. Then the chorus. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. I remember my wife teaching our boys in the crib that song. Just from their earliest days hearing it. Certainly they heard it in the preschool, and the nursery. They heard it from... Sunday school and from Bible study leaders, I'm sure maybe some of you sung it with your kids, or if you didn't, you knew that the song was being repeated from the earliest days, from our earliest moments, we have told our children, sung to our children, emphasized to our children that Jesus loves them. So that any person, when asked, if you have no one else in the world who will say, I love you, You can be assured Jesus loves you, that God loves you, that God sent his one and only son, Jesus, out of love for you. We all know 100% that Jesus loves you because the Bible tells us so, but more than anything else, the cross tells us so. I I, I saw a t-shirt once and I didn't buy it and I've regretted it since. On the front, it says, Jesus loves you. And on the back, it said, and I'm trying. (laughs) Say the important thing going forward, but then they spin around. Oh, well, you know, the love we have for one another can often be shifting, can often be unstable, can be changing. The love God has for us, the love Jesus has for us, unchanging, unwavering, unending. Jesus loves you. The Bible tells us so. The cross tells us so. The standard by which Jesus commands his disciples to love one another is the way in which he, he loves us. Unwavering, unending, never shifting. Jesus loves us. And he calls us to love one another as he has loved us. Uh, Listen to Jesus' words in John 15. Still in the upper room with his disciples. More instruction. John 15, 12, he says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is gonna lay down his life for us and he utilizes that picture and that concept to be the mark by which we lay down our lives for others. 1 John 3.16, the other John 3.16 in the Bible. 1 John 3.16, the apostle John writes, after years of knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior and now communicating to the new Christian community that he leads, by this we know love. That he, Jesus, laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers, for our sisters, for our family of faith. The Apostle Paul writes to the Ephesians, these words in Ephesians 5, 2, he says, And walk in love and move in love and live in love and have your being in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. There is an instruction in Jesus' words about loving one another and loving our brothers and sisters and loving the community that he has created that is the standard of what he has demonstrated on the cross, laying down his life for those in the family of faith. I think the only example that might be outside of this would be the example of what you often see in the military. There are stories and examples of men and women in harm's way in difficult battles where they lay down their lives for a fellow soldier, a fellow sailor. Now this week, actually just over the last couple days, a major announcement was shared about Pearl Harbor. The remains and DNA of a soldier that had been unidentified for 80 years was finally identified, and he's from Kentucky. And when they learned about his life, they learned that he was in the lowest part of the ship in sick bay as a pharmacist on the USS Oklahoma. And over the years, they knew that there were men trapped. At the bottom of the ship, even as it sank, that they were never able to get to because of the damage and the locked uh, different levels of the ship. But they finally found enough DNA and enough evidence to determine who he was. But I learned that several years ago, some of the men who were above that level had informed others that there were people stuck below. And they had literally sacrificed their own lives trying to save the ones who were still further in the ship. There is something about sacrifice. There is something about giving up of things. And I'm not asking us in the faith community. I'm not asking Valley Creek to take a bullet for one another or to save one another from drowning. If that happens, praise God, that's amazing. But the reality is there is a sacrifice that's called upon us to lay down our own lives, our own wants, our own positions and demands, lay down our own personal desires for the sake of the community, for the sake of our brothers and sisters in faith. I, as your leader and pastor and friend, I will have to lay down my life for you and my wants and you and I as brothers and sisters will have to lay down our own wants in order to be in this community because the way love is fostered, the way love grows is not by getting what you want, but it's by giving of yourself. The way love is brought about in the faith community is not standing on the pulpit or standing in the pew saying, I want, I want, I want. But it's inside the community, say, I give, I give, I give. You know, there is a community that is forming, a community that is shaped by Jesus' love and his example. And unfortunately, sadly, we don't always see that in the faith communities that we're a part of. You see, Jesus was establishing a new commandment. He was giving us a new standard because he wanted to create a new community. Something that the world had never seen. Something that the world knew nothing about. He says in verse 35, by this, what does he mean is the this? By this love, all people, all ethnicities, all places around the globe, all humanity will know that you Are my disciples, that you are one of my followers if you love one another. The unbelieving world detects who is and who isn't a Christian by their expressions of love, by their love for neighbor, by their love for their enemy, by their love for the stranger, by their love for their families, by their love for their. Husbands and wives and children, their marriages by the love for the poor, by the love for the widow, by their love for orphans and those who were in harm's way, the fatherless. The Christian world is exemplified and the unbelieving world sees who Jesus is and how Jesus offered his life, not all by our words, but mostly emphatically by our love. And our love for one another is the way they will know we are his disciples. Love is what the world sees first. Not our doctrine. Not our political positions. Not our protested signs. Not our activism. Not even our generosity in lending a hand, what the world sees first is our love for one another, detecting that we love Jesus. D.A. Carson, a great theologian, wrote these words. He said, This commandment is presented as the marching order for the new Christ-centered community. Love is the marching order For the community that Jesus was creating. So I ask us this morning. Are we following the new command? Do we follow it with the standard that Jesus has set? And are we formed into a new community that is centralized in love? If I could ask the praise team just to come and join me. We're going to close this message and really close this service in a very, very different way this morning. And at South Wilson, we're inviting you to do the exact same thing today. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to gather together in groups of four, five or six that might require you to turn sideways, turn backwards. We want you to have folks that aren't just in your immediate family, if possible, We're going to gather together in groups of four, five, or six. And one of the things that brings Christian community together is actually praying together. Beseeching God together. Speaking to the Father together. And so I'm going to give four different prayer prompts for you to pray with the group that you're in. And these are going to be very simple. And what I'd like for you to do, if you're so bold, is... One person in the group volunteered to voice that prayer out loud with the other three or four agreeing in prayer. Then I'll give another prompt, and I'd like someone else to voice that prayer out loud and the others around them to agree and connect in prayer. There's just four, and so if your group is five or six, a few of you won't be able to pray out loud, and that's to allow, if anyone feels totally uncomfortable, just to pass. But I would invite you, Four or five, groups of four or five, to gather together for this time of prayer. Uh, Jesus said these, these words in Matthew 18. I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. That even in the gathering of three or four brothers and sisters in Christ, there is certainly the presence of Jesus in the midst. The psalmist writes in one Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is for brothers and sisters to be in unity. And one of the ways we are in unity is when we pray together. So I would invite you right now, just... As best as you can, find three or four people around you, gather together, circle up. If you need to wiggle and move, it's absolutely okay. I don't want anyone to be alone if possible. Gather together at South Wilson, three or four, five or six together if possible. Standing is fine, seated is fine. Joining hands is fine, standing near is fine first thing I would invite you to pray for someone voice this prayer and declare to God his goodness, his love and ask him to help you love him with all your heart, mind, soul and strength voice that prayer now Ask another person to voice this prayer, a prayer thanking Jesus for the cross, for his death, his shed blood, his resurrected life, so that we might be saved and made new. Voice that prayer now, someone different, voice a thanks to Christ Jesus for the cross. a third person to voice a prayer now, a prayer asking God for help in loving others around us, our friends, neighbors, relatives, people we work with, people we go to school with, the stranger, the alien, the outsider. Ask God for his help to love others as much as we love ourselves. Voice that prayer now. Would a fourth person voice this prayer, a prayer asking God's help to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, to forgive, to show grace, to lay down our own lives for those around us in our faith family. Would someone voice that prayer for Christian community to be fostered among the brothers and sisters in Christ? Pray, please, now. All across the room and South Wilson if you would just join with me now as we close this time of response and prayer let us all pray together father we come to you we come to you knowing that you hear our prayers there's not a word that has been spoken this morning that you didn't hear not a heart that has been laid before you that you didn't know we're so thankful that you love us We're so thankful that you have shown your love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. We're so thankful, Jesus, that you laid your life on the cross for our salvation so that our sin could be forgiven and we could be given eternal life. We're so thankful that inside of that salvation comes a new family, a new place to belong, a new community to be connected to. We're so thankful for brothers and sisters from every tribe and every tongue and every nation and every land. We're thankful for this community of faith here at Valley Creek. God, I ask that in this you draw us together in new ways, strong ways, powerful ways that we would love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength we love our neighbors as much as we love ourselves and that we will love one another as you have loved us for by this all the world will know that we are your followers your children by our love we thank you for this time and we give you praise for your spirit here among us we pray this in Jesus name Amen and amen.